Welcome to the Career Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Orlando Haynes, and here is where we provide actionable advice for your career and life. Stay tuned, lock in, let's go. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Career Talks podcast. As always, I say it again and again, I'm your host, Orlando Hangs, uh, and super excited for today's topic. Again, uh, you've seen the flyer, you've seen the icon I have uh, chatting with today, so this is going to be phenomenal. But before we get started, let me just share that the episode uh, is sponsored by the Career Accelerator Planner. This is a planner that I co-created with my partner, Karen Turner, where it helps corporate uh, professionals track their performance, their projects, and their value all in one place. So you can document the wins in corporate America, you know, able to transfer that information over to new opportunities or when it comes time for performance reviews, uh, merit increases, and those crucial career conversations. You're documenting your performance. uh, So there you have the value in one place and no one ever forgets what you bring to the table. All right. So you can go over to the career accelerator planner.com. Again, that's the career accelerator planner.com and grab your copy. You can also use code uh, cap 25 for 25% off until the end of the month. All right. So let's get into the episode. I have the global founder and CEO of the briefcase coaching if you don't know who she is, she has a, over a million followers on LinkedIn. Let me just share this Sarah Johnson on the platform. Finally, yay! <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I know that this has been a work in progress for a while. Um, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and I'm honored for the invitation. So thank you for, for having me on here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we originally talked maybe two or so years ago, was it? Um, it, it was a while ago. Yep. I was doing it at <laughs> 7 p.m. Um, yep. And preferably this time frame worked for you. I was like, you know what? I'll get back when I can make it work. We've made it work and you stay true to your word. So I appreciate you so, so much for that, Sarah, um, and joining on. So for those who don't know who you are, uh, definitely come in, chat, say hello. But you should be flooding in to follow Sarah in, in her content on LinkedIn. Definitely share with the folks what briefcase uh, coaching is, the global reach, your audience, et cetera. Yeah. So I, I worked as a recruiter for a number of years and I love recruiting. I think it's great work. Um, but as a recruiter, I, I realized that a lot of candidates were making the same mistakes. They didn't know how to market themselves on paper and they didn't know how to tell their stories in person. And so as a recruiter, I started thinking, "Ooh, maybe I could be that person to help these job seekers 
land the jobs that they actually want instead of just applying for role after role, hoping that someone reaches out and calls them for a position. So about six years ago, I started my own business. Um, I, I called it the nap time side hustle. I had little babies at home and um, I was doing recruiting and I was doing resume work on the side. And then now it's a full-fledged business and I have a, a great, wonderful team that works with me and we've gotten to help people literally all over the world. And so I'm honored and excited that I took that leap of faith. The nap time side hustle. <laughs> Where did you get that from? <laughs> I mean, because I literally was doing work when my kids were napping. It, you know, if I know you have kids. We were talking about this a little bit before mm -hmm. we got on the air. Um, you know, there's a, I think every parent, and I don't want to just say moms, every parent has this dream of doing it all. You want to have mm -hmm. a rewarding job and you want to be an amazing parent and do all the things as a parent, but there's the reality that you have to make choices and that you can't do all those things. You have to right. choose what you're going to do. And um, it was just a season of life where the only way that I could fit in this entrepreneurial stuff was when my kids were napping. So I'd have clothes going in the laundry room. Um, maybe dinner was, was cooking and I was just head down doing resume work. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's dive in because this this topic is crucial, especially for for right now with the massive layoff and what's going on post uh, the great resignation, et cetera. Um, navigating the hidden job market. So he, here's a few pop ups that you can tackle whichever way you want. First, is it hidden because we're not we're networked? Is it hidden because employers are just not putting enough jobs out there? It's all through who, you know, type thing. Um, is it hidden because there's a black market job market out there that we're not aware of? Uh, what is this hidden job market? I love that you started with this question because I think if 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 your audience has spent you know a little bit of time on LinkedIn, they've probably seen this group of recruiters who are great recruiters who do great work. Um, kind of hate on the term hidden job market and say that there's no such thing as a hidden job market. Um, and I hear what they're saying because as a recruiter, your job is to fill recs and to fill open positions. And as a recruiter, you're not placing a candidate or putting a candidate in a position that's not available. That's just not part of your job description. So I hear their argument, but I will say, and I'll speak as a former candidate, I'll speak as someone who's coached hundreds of job seekers, and I'll say as a friend that there are jobs that exist out there that are not posted. And, and I'll just kind of give you two really quick examples of, of how this works and why I think your listeners need to be more tuned to the hidden job market. So I am a travel, um, um, my, my husband is in a role that has required us to move every three to five years. So I would consider myself a trailing spouse. And when I was in the corporate world, I would have to leave a job about every three to five years to follow him around the country. And I had to move to places where I literally knew no one. I had no connections, no kind of loose or warm connections or ties. And so I had to make cold outreach to people. And when I was making cold outreach to people, I was really thoughtful and strategic. I built target company list of places that I wanted to work. And then I went online and did research and identified who my potential boss would be if I were to work for those organizations. And I just sent a really delightful, personalized message to those people at my target company list and asked for an informational interview. 
And shockingly, I got about a 50% response rate, about mm. 50% of people that I cold message wrote me back, accepted my invitation for a networking meeting. They didn't, most people didn't take me up on coffee. They just invited me to their office. And from those networking meetings in, in both cities, in St. Louis, Missouri, and in Columbus, Ohio, I landed multiple job offers from these networking meetings. And these are positions that were not posted online. So that was my personal experience. And then my experience working with people and in and, and the community and friends and my clients, I was just about two weeks ago having coffee with a friend. Um, she's a, a mom and our kids used to play sports together. And we were just catching up as old friends. And she was telling me that she's thinking about reentering the workforce and was t- describing the ideal role. And in my mind, I thought, oh, gosh, I just had I went on a walk with a neighbor who was telling me that they're looking for someone who fits that similar description. And I mentioned it to this person and, you know, connect the dots. This person interviewed yesterday for that exact role that I was talking about. And she didn't know it even existed and it wasn't posted anywhere online. So I, even though, you know, maybe tech recruiters don't necessarily see the hidden job market in their work, it exists and I'm proof of it. And I know many people who found jobs through this network. Now, is that method still viable today or what what are the new tools and processes and tips and tricks that we can use? Yeah, I think the bottom line is that people are always behind decision making mm-hmm. and always the ones who are who are holding opportunities at hand. So even though you've got ATS systems and even though you've got, um, you know, lots of new technology and tools, people still hire people. And anytime you can influence decision makers through networking meetings, you have more opportunities available to you. So yes, it is absolutely still um, viable. For job seekers today, there are many new tools out there that you can be smarter in your approach kind of going back to the fact that I didn't know anyone when I was relocating to these cities, you now have tools like theorg.com that will let you know about organizational charts. So you can do do great thoughtful research to identify who your potential boss would be. You also have LinkedIn Sales Navigator and you have things like Crunchbase, which will help you identify people's phone number and email addresses for these outreaches that you're going to make. You've got hunter.io, which is another tool that scrapes and helps you learn email addresses. And then one of my favorite tools that you can use is mailtrack.io. And it's a Gmail extension so that when you are sending cold messages to people that perhaps you don't know, or perhaps are at your target company list, you can see if they open that email. And that way, if they didn't open your email, you can use another strategy or a different approach to reach out to them. Now, Sarah, I can hear tons of hiring managers saying, no, why are you telling them this? <laughs> They're going to get flooded now uh, with all these different methods that you just like those four alone, the org.com, uh, Crunchbase, Hunter.io and MailTrack.io.io, uh, four ways to get in contact with them. So this is, I think, the new tools with an older method. Um, is what you're bringing to the table, which is good because a lot of folks, what we do, we'll go to a new city and do the the normal career builder, monster, LinkedIn, ladder, whatever it is, post and pray and wait for those communications to come back. You're saying, no, still use that uh, step forward to reach the decision maker, bypass all that um, to get a quicker conversation going, even though, yes, you apply through the ATS, just yes. the process. You're yeah. still going to apply. 
still going to apply because you're following the process. But if you can, if you can move your decision um, and your conversation faster by using these tools, uh, let's do it. Uh, which I love. So when it comes to your your clients that you you talk to, what's the common theme in where they're missing uh, in their job search? What are some things that you know right off the top? Like, okay, this is starting to become the norm for most job seekers. I think a lot of people don't know how to differentiate themselves out in the market. Mm. And a lot of people are using what I call a kitchen sink resume. And it's a resume mm. that is a chronicle or a reverse chronological list of all the jobs that they've ever had with maybe three to five bullet points, but it's not branded. It doesn't tell me their unique value proposition. And it doesn't tell me what they're going for or the type of position that they're going for. So I think for a lot of job seekers, before they start applying for jobs, before they start making outreach to people, the best thing that you can do for yourself is to take that step back and say, what are three to five jobs that that maybe I'm interested in? What are, what's my ideal next job title and who hires people like me for that position and do that? exploration work because shockingly a lot of people don't do that and they just hit straight to the job boards and their their message doesn't resonate with people so for the job see i'll speak for the job seeker in that question and say how do i differentiate myself with this mass pool of talent out there is it just a a, a beautified profile or is it more in depth than that what are some some key takeaways that will uncover that job uh hidden job market for me well, the biggest complaint that I hear from recruiters is that people apply for positions and their resume doesn't really speak to that job. And if you want to connect with a recruiter, you need to leave no doubt in their mind that you could do that position that you're applying for. So the first thing that I would absolutely do is make sure that your resume connects the dots between the work that you've done in the past and the work that you want to do in the future. So use the job descriptions as your guide for how you're going to tell your story. Perhaps you want to include a header at the top of your resume that's in alignment with the job title. You want to use keywords throughout the document that are keywords straight from the job description. You want to mirror language from the job description on your resume. And then you want to go through the job requirements section of the job description and look at every single bullet point and consider that as a behavioral interview question. What have you done? in your line of work that aligns with what they're looking for in a candidate. And if possible, quantify that experience. Your goal as a job seeker, again, is to leave no doubt that you can do the job that you're, you are saying that you wanna do. The, the second way that you can differentiate yourself as a candidate and, and make sure that they understand your value proposition is in the way that you describe yourself. When you're networking, when you're out meeting with people, instead of just saying, oh, you know, I'm looking for marketing positions, Go a step further with people. Tell them what kind of marketing work that you like doing, because within marketing, you've got SEO, you've got content marketing, you've got um, design and branding and, you know, all these different aspects of marketing, but make it simple for people to understand. And then just say, you know, I'm looking for companies like X, Y, and Z and, and tell them how they can help you, help them help you. So give them a little bit more information. I think a lot of times job seekers are afraid of going too deep with people because they don't want to be too intrusive or they feel like they're overstepping. But if your friend is saying that they want to help you, you need to let them know how they can actually be a resource to you. I love that point because it reminds uh, reminds me of uh, what 
Dr. Graham said. Uh, she wrote the book Switchers. Yeah. So it, yeah. I had on on the podcast and she said the, the number one thing when we ask for referrals or seek referrals is that we don't give them the information. Like mm -hmm. you said, we kind of say, hey, I'm just looking for a marketing, you know, director role. OK. Give me a little bit more. What's the budget size? What type of projects have you worked on? We just give a blanket statement, open end statement, basically, and really think they're going to do the work and find something for us. So uh, I like the way you said, get very granular and detailed with your information so it's easier. They You turn them into an advocate. That's I love that. That's awesome. Um, are job seekers really now leveraging? I'm going to switch a little bit, but it still helps with, the, you know, cert, really searching for a job in the hidden market. Are you seeing job seekers leverage content creation on LinkedIn enough to kind of brand themselves? Hmm. This is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a fine line here and it's hard to balance. I think content creation can be very powerful in establishing that you're an expertise in a certain subject matter. Mm -hmm. And it can be great at differentiating you as a candidate. Sometimes I see job seekers do too good of a job at content creation. And then it maybe gives people the message that maybe they're trying to be an influencer in their space, or that maybe they're trying to be an entrepreneur and that they're not looking for a job. And so I think there's a, a balance when I'm typically talking to my executive clients and, and giving them suggestions and resources for how to be more thoughtful about the content that they curate on LinkedIn, I usually recommend only posting one to two times per week or maybe even three to five times per month. And I know that isn't a lot, but that's still getting your message out there on a regular cadence. I think consistency is really important. The other thing that I recommend is bring in other experts when you're positioning your content. Don't just make it all about you, but you can highlight the work that other people in your field are doing. You could um, highlight articles that you've read and, and share what you've learned by reading the article. Or you can even interview thought leaders in the space that you're in. And that gives you an opportunity to make connection with people that maybe aren't necessarily on your radar or don't know who you are, but this gives you a great touch point for them. I love that, that you, you brought that because I never thought of it that way. So would that deter an employer to like, wow, this person is putting out a ton or they're, are they going the entrepreneurial route or, or the versus, you know, being a job seeker. So that's, that's unique. That's, that's definitely a, a different blend and twist to, to seeing that. Um, have you come across any clients that said, hey, you know, I watched this video, I watched this influencer on LinkedIn and I started putting out stuff, but now the activity has decreased. <laughs> like I'm not getting as much traction because I've been putting out content and it's branded me a different way. Any any executives that come to you and say, yeah, I'm, I have actually I've had a couple wow. of that that. Um, came to me after the fact they had mm -hmm. been doing this and they, again, did it really, really well. But I think a lot of people in their network felt like perhaps they weren't looking for a job and it was sending the wrong message. Wow. That's something to consider. Something to consider. Okay. So with the hidden job market and networking piece, you touched on that as well. Are we talking still the combination of virtual networks reaching out and saying, Hey, let's have a, a quick video, you know, coffee chat, 
or is it in person? Are you saying a combination of both? What's working now in the current market? I think we're still seeing a combination of both. Um, And it really is going to depend on where you live as well. Um, I grew up in Georgia. My sister's in Georgia. She doesn't do Zoom meetings ever. I mean, that is just not a thing where she lives. It is all in person at a coffee shop or at the barbecue restaurant, wherever. I live in North Carolina, and I would say about 50% of my meetings are on Zoom or over the phone, and about 50% are in person. And so I think it you have to balance where you live and what is relevant to your particular audience. Um, but I would say people are still getting jobs and getting traction from virtual meetings. So even though I prefer an in-person, I think you can accomplish the same thing virtually. Got it. Got it. So from I want to touch back on something you said earlier, too, with the initial, you know, reach out to a decision maker using some of the the sites. We'll drop those in in the notes afterwards uh, to reach directly out to someone. Is there some unique messaging we should be using uh, versus, you know, just like if we submit it normally and you have your summary page or um, your cover letter, should we should we be using that? same type of verbiage or should we have more of a unique approach because we're going direct to the uh to the decision maker him or her i think it's all about being personal and showing that you went that extra step and looked at who they are and and that you know some things about them so let's say i were to reach out to you and i would be interested in working on your team or position with you i might listen to a couple of your podcast and i might take some notes And I may read some things that you've posted on LinkedIn and and take some notes. And then if I were to reach out to you, Orlando, I might comment on one of the podcasts that I listened to and something that I learned and really appreciated about that podcast and might thank you for taking that initiative of of going the extra step and creating the podcast. And then after complimenting you and being really specific, I may mention that I'm interested in learning about the work that you've done and how impressed I am by what you've built and all that you've accomplished and would love to take you to coffee. I think, and you can tell me if if I'm wrong, if someone goes that extra step and (laughs) listens to some things that you've done and really builds that rapport, I think you're much more likely to accept a meeting from them versus if you knew it was a copy paste message. Yep. Yep. It's happened. It's happened (laughs) multiple (laughs) times. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, I felt more uh, compelled to respond for sure because they took that that initial effort um, in doing that. So that's a great point as well. So the the search, the job market search, where, what are you seeing for 2023 as we close out this year? Um, just from data you're listening to or, you know, leaderships that you're talking to, do we still see the you know, recession coming? Are we in it? Are we looking at second quarter before it picks up? What are your thoughts? Knowing you don't have a crystal ball, Sarah, but <laughs> yeah, just what are your thoughts from you know your network of information you're getting? So I'm, I'm reading so much right now. And it's really interesting how the news varies depending on the source that you're reading it from, which is are really unfortunate about this this time that we're in because you know where what is the reliable source here what is the reliable because you can spin a story a million ways but the key things that i'm taking away from the data that i'm reading right now is one i think that 
remote work will still exist in 2023, but it will not be as, as prevalent. It'll be harder to find remote positions. I think a lot of companies are pushing people back into the office, especially as they're making cuts. People are going to have to make some hard choices. So um, I think in-person is going to be more of a theme of 2023. Um I read something fascinating today that 72% of those laid off at the beginning of December in the tech layoffs have already landed a job, which is really really surprising to me. Yeah, Kelly, um, I'm going to botch the pronunciation of her last name, but um, she's a tech recruiter. She shared an article today that that showed 72% have already landed a job. So as, as we think about layoffs and as we think about kind of what could happen in Q1, it looks like people are landing jobs pretty quickly. I, I think we're still seeing some stalls from, from um, lack of, of um, talent earlier in 2022. And then the other thing that I'm seeing is a lot of transformation at the top. A lot of C leaders are not staying in their roles for a long period of time. They're having like one year to two year stints. And that's causing a lot of turmoil on the top and a lot of um, pivots. So it'll be really interesting to see. I bet in 2023, this will continue and there will be continue to be a lot of movement in those C roles. Got it. So in terms of upskilling, are you seeing a lot of folks having to shift, uh, upskill their technology knowledge, um, you know, advanced, advanced Excel skills, uh, you know, understanding AI better reporting data analytics, are you seeing that's a shift because of the big tech talk and movement in that space? Is that dictating folks to like, oh, my God, I better get this certification or do this and do that to be competitive in this market? I think what we're seeing is that these tech companies like Google and Amazon, who are um just really smart and strategic about the way they do business. This is all trickled down to all companies. Now mm-hmm. all companies are using power BI, all companies are using, you know, lean six Sigma. I mean, all those things. Yep. So what maybe started off as a tech sector function. Now we're seeing it in mom and pop and family run companies. So we're all having to upskill and learn these new um, technologies. And it's on us as employees to learn this. Very few companies are investing in their talent and training their talent on how to do this. It's, 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 I'm seeing it up to the individual to make those investments in themselves. So along that same line of questioning from pandemic and great resignation, et cetera, uh, the I've noticed, right, being an in TA, inflated salaries got yeah. crazy <laughs> over the past year. Uh, what is your outlook on that in thinking will we level out? What does that look like for future job seekers or current job seekers? I was at a holiday party over the weekend, was talking to an entrepreneur who was saying he's paying 40 percent more for his workforce in 2022 than he paid in 2019, 40% more. And he said, Sarah, my profits are 40% more. So you have to imagine that there is going to be some kind of shift and just in the market. And perhaps that's going to be layoffs. Perhaps that's just going to be just matriculation. When people leave and find other work, um, they may not replace those employees at that same salary, but the under salary level. I don't have a crystal ball, but I have to say it's probably not sustainable. Yeah, I think it was um, J.T. O'Donnell who put out a post on LinkedIn and said she she read an article where it was 300,000 people uh, who went back into the workforce 
post the great resignation took opportunities less than when they left, you know, the income dropped um, in that short period of time. So I would think, yeah, companies just can't sustain that right? from a bottom line. They just can't sustain inflated salaries at this point. So, cause you look at it, your skills haven't grown. <laughs> you just, you're just now kind of leveraging <laughs> the moment and what's happening. Um, how do folks, and I want to be mindful of your time because we both have uh, the little ones waiting for us and nip, nipping at the doors. Uh, where can folks get connected with you the most and learn more about your coaching program, uh, your LinkedIn learning courses? Where can they find uh, Miss Sarah Johnston? Well, you can always find me on my website, briefcasecoach.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn, as as you know, um, I have three LinkedIn learning courses. I just released one this month on how to write your own executive resume. And so I hope that your listeners will check that out as well. I will drop that in the show notes. Again, I wanted to be mindful of your time. We had a conversation earlier. So uh, thank you so much, Sarah. Uh, it's it, Even though it's taken us two years to connect, I'm glad that we did. Now was the time. Uh, so I'm so appreciative of your, your expertise and your grace and your professionalism for for joining me uh, this uh, this afternoon on a where are we on Wednesday? Yes, Wednesday <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday. So last question for you. What is your personal mantra? What gets you up in the morning uh, every day to do what you do to provide impact to the job seekers? Ooh, I'm sure that there is a beautiful saying that that perfectly describes what I want to say. But I think at the core, it's do good for people, do right by people. Um, and I, I kind of view that as my mantra. I, I want to do right by my employees. I want to do right by my family. I want to do right by my customers. I want to do right by people who just follow my content on LinkedIn. I want them to be help. I want it to always be helpful and to be a helper. Love it. Love it. If you're watching, folks, you're seeing the excitement. Um, in which she just explained that. So that, that is an authentic passion for helping folks uh, for Miss Sarah Johnston. So Sarah, again, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And I, I'm always a big fan. I've told you that uh, I'll continue to, to uh, soak up your knowledge and uh, try to share that with more folks as well. Hey, I'm a big fan of yours. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It was an honor. Absolutely. So I'm gonna close this out with a quick video and then we are on to the next. Stay tuned for next week. So.